Hello, everyone, and welcome to FCC Talk. We have a wonderful episode for you today because we have Chris Gregg with us today. Chris Gregg, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, John. It's a kind of gloomy day, but feels warm and cozy in here. Yep. Yes, it does. I, I had a weird morning. I, my phone wasn't working this morning. My mailbox was full of mail, even though I had been checking it lately. And uh, there was weird stuff that happened all morning, but uh, I got to work and everything was okay. So <laughs> it feels like that uh, kind of made things a little bit better. But uh, thank you for listening to FCC Talk whenever you're, you're listening to this. Uh, we are have a wonderful uh, stories to get to today. Some might be a little controversial. Some are just kind of a little bit of opinion. But as always, we will give you our reactions and you feel free to have whatever reaction you have, and we'll just kind of talk about different news events and things like that that happen here in the Christian uh, sphere, realm, world, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we'll react to them and give our thoughts on them. You ready to do that, Chris? I'm absolutely ready, John. All right, let's make it happen. Our very first topic today, Corey Asbury. If you are aware of who Corey Asbury is, he wrote the song, (coughs) excuse me, he wrote the song Reckless Love. Yep. Uh, I I don't know many other of his songs right off the top of my head, but that's kind of the the most popular one. He's a famous worship artist. Well, anyway, when he was leading worship at a correctional facility, uh, I don't know when this was, a couple weeks ago, I believe it was, he um, told a story about when he was on weed and... He kind of prefaced it with he had done some of these things when he was younger and before he really matured and uh, came to Christ. But even after he came to Christ, he kind of had a moment where he was experiencing some physical pain and he was trying to figure out if this is something that could help his physical pain. Now, obviously, there's a myriad of opinions and things like that of people with what they have about weed and CBD and all these other kind of pain medications and stuff. But he uh, essentially kind of went crazy on it and told the prisoners that in that moment, he figured out that there was nothing that would ever be able to relieve him of his physical pain, his mental pain, his emotional pain, other than Jesus Christ. And that was kind of his illustration or message that he was using. And then he sang a song. I forget what the song, uh, only Jesus for my pain, I think is the song. Uh, he started singing that song afterward talking about that. So Chris, I'm curious, what was your kind of reaction to the Corey Asbury story, uh, about weed that inspired this worship song? Yeah, very interesting situation. I was wondering what state he was in, whether it was legal, whether it was prescribed marijuana. It sounded like his chiropractor was suggesting it, so it might have been uh, legal in the state where he was. I I would have felt more, you know, I, you know, the whole cannabis thing is kind of new, and I know some people that are Christians that that do the what do you call it, the cannabis oil. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, essential um, oils and, 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 and stuff like that. Yeah, cannabis oil that helps, and so I can see that. I'm just wondering if he was trying to connect with his, the prison audience, and I was thinking that probably wasn't the best way to go about sharing to the world. Uh, but I think he had a good intent. I'm just wondering what message was he sending to people. Is that okay? 
it sounded like he had some regrets. So I I probably wouldn't take it to the pulpit. Say, hey, right. just try to marijuana jail, but it didn't work out for me. So I don't think that would be probably the best idea. Well, and the thing that was interesting to I, me I, is like, or go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the thing that was interesting to me is, like, this wasn't something that, like, somebody who was in that situation leaked it, and then the news asked him about it, and then he told the story to the news. Like, this was a video that apparently maybe the jail recorded or somebody like that, uh, that he then posted on Instagram himself, and I think the caption was, uh, this might get me canceled, Um, which, you know, this is just my own personal (laughs) like life (laughs) rule, I guess is like if something is going to make people mad for no reason on social media, I typically don't post it on social media, you know, not, you know, I want to be open and honest with people, but I think there's a certain amount of open and honesty that you can have on social media because people might not understand. So, I mean, that was kind of my reaction to it was like, what purpose does this serve? to post this. And I recognize that not everybody like you and I talk about that a lot with like social media. What is the purpose of posting this? Is this going to actually do anything good or is this just going to do, you know, more harm than good? Um, and I recognize not everybody else thinks like that. I'm not saying everybody should, but that's kind of just the way I think about it. Um, and unfortunately it leads us to the question, maybe not for everybody, but I'll ask the question to you. Uh, Corey's use of weed could in marijuana could possibly you know concern some people should christians reevaluate whether or not they should listen listen to Corey asbury's worship music yeah i like Corey's songs i don't know that that disqualifies his song and the message i think the words matter in the song i think that this is kind of a if you will, uh, an immature kind of way to w- what gather or influence people. I'm not sure that that's a positive mess message as a Christian. I'm, you know, in a in a state that's legal, it's legal, but is it still moral to use weed or you know marijuana products? And that's a that's a choice that you need need to make, but I, I think that uh, you know the be drunk with the spirit is what we are our goal is. Now, if you're looking from a pain management, it was prescribed drugs from a physician, different story. But self medicating, you know, you might get some pain relief if you if you go get drunk, drink a fifth of whiskey. That's true. Is that a good idea? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but I don't have the pain that he has. I would, I would think that I would look for a more medical, uh, what do I want to say, medical treatment rather than uh, self-medicate. Yeah, and I mean, it, it kind of goes back to just like the use of social media. Like, do we really need to be talking about, you know, the way people? you know, uh, have medicine for their aches and pains and, you know, physical Mm -hmm. well-being. 
No, I mean, that's really not, I don't go out in church and tell everybody about everything that I, you know, every medicine that I take and stuff like that. Now, granted, I'm, I'm young, so I don't take very many, but, uh, somebody else who, who might be experiencing more back pain or something like that, they might, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, what, what do you keep that's personal and what do you keep that, you know, you share with Mm. other people and, does it really need to be shared with <laughs> every single person out there? So, right. And it, what what's his message? It must be okay for me to right uh, use marijuana products. So, by example, I had a lot of kids that I influenced in youth ministry, but I don't know that I would say I I tried this outside of a doctor's prescription and for pain. Because they will take it and say, well, it's okay for me then. It's not about his music. As far as I'm concerned, as long as the music has a message, is positive, and it's biblical, I'm good with that. It's just an yeah. um, example and character. I, I'm not sure that that was probably best played there. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, you know, it's it's kind of comes back to, you know, what was your intention there uh and, you know if you mm-hmm. were to tell a story of something like this in your life chris uh, during a sermon i find it hard to believe that you would start it with now some of you guys might hate me because of this but here's the story you know you'd probably preface it with like hey this is a bit of a controversial thing that happened but i think there's a good message behind the story of myself well, so so let me tell you this story you know what i'm saying like it might be a before christ story versus in christ but in christ i think that we've got if we're a disciple of Jesus and what you're a believer, we lead by example and we right. might say, I made this mistake and I did this rather than saying, I don't know that I didn't hear that he made a mistake. I think yeah. he, he, I heard that he was inspired to have a song via marijuana products, <laughs> even though he had a bad experience. <laughs> right. And that was that was the title of the article. So that's what other people got out of it as well. So right, all right, right. good stuff there, Chris. Let's move on to the next one. So uh, Americans want more movies with faith themes. Landmark survey finds. So essentially, what we have here is we have different. A landmark survey has gone out and asked people about uh, faith and faith's involvement in different movies. So the survey started out with asking people about the stereotypes of people of faith in different movies. The poll found that 69% of Americans around or Americans who consume entertainment believe entertainment perpetuates religious stereotypes. So nearly 70% of Americans believe that some kind of entertainment product, whether it be songs, movies, whatever that might be, perpetuates stereotypes for religious people. And that is causing some issues amongst people because obviously nobody wants to be stereotyped. Nobody wants to say, and, and I, you know, I'll admit that I, I have felt this way before too, where, you know, there's, a person in a movie who's a minister and it's like, you know, every other, you know, thing they say is like a prayer to God or something like that, which like Mm -hmm. by all means, yes, we should, you know, be living our lives uh, feeling as if we're, we're praying to God and feel, you know, I mean the, 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 uh, Bible is, is clear on that. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I don't stop every single conversation and, you know, pray about what just happened in a formal way 
with every single person. So I do think there's kind of some stereotypes there. But Chris, I'm curious, how have you felt about the portrayal of religion or just religious people people in secular movies throughout the years? Well, I I find it interesting that that higher percentage want Christian themes and religious themes in movies. So I'm I'm kind of surprised, I guess I would say, in in that respect. I, I do think there's a lot of stereotypes, typical, you know, fumbling, bumbling uh, preachers uh, or sex crazed or scam artists, pastors and or get rich quick or, or priests. You know, there, there, a lot of stereotypes go on rather than just a common person who is in ministry, who is helping others. Uh, Little House on the Prairie probably had a very good representation of a pastor that was a worker and was part of a community as well as anybody, Michael Landon, back in the day. That's been a long time ago. But I I find it interesting, and I've watched some Christian-themed movies of recent that were very good. Uh, I'm not big into the tear-jerkers, emotional drama Christian movies that seem to be prevalent and out there. But I am moved by just solid movies about people that are doing good and loving God and being a good neighbor and helping others. I I really like to see that. Yeah, I think back to some of the faith-themed movies that I've seen recently. We talked last week with CJ about The Hill and how it became the number one movie uh, on Netflix at one point in February, which was kind of cool that mm-hmm. uh, a movie like that would would you know ascend to the top of the charts for Netflix, and um, you know I, I felt like that was represented well because you not you didn't just see the preacher in that movie, but you also saw kind of like the family dynamics as well of you know like sometimes the stereotype you see is that like oh the preacher's doing his thing and everybody else in the family just kind of follows along when in reality like you know, life in ministry is not the easiest or the most glamorous Mm -hmm. thing ever. And sometimes it is difficult for the family, uh, to live throughout that. And of course this was, you know, back in the day, uh, a different Mm -hmm. time period when that movie was set in, but still it it portrayed how difficult it can be for a family to, uh, to, to, to be with a minister. And I think that, you know, it would be interesting to see more of these faith themed movies, but I don't know if I would want to see people who are not of faith making the movies, if that makes sense. You know, like I would want people who feel like they have a message or feel like they have some kind of calling or something to put out into the world Mm -hmm. to be making these movies and not just somebody who says, Oh, okay. Faith themed movies are doing really well right now. So we're going to put it out there. Uh, Chris, did you know that of all the movie genres out there, there are 18 different themed movie genres. Rank hmm. number six is faith. Faith themed wow. movies currently rank sixth out of those 18 different themes, wow. which is interesting. And it's actually one of the least represented themes of them all. And so that's kind of what they're saying is like, there's not very many of these movies, but people really want them. And so we're going to see more of them. Um, Chris, do you think that more faith themed movies and entertainment would fix the issue of of religious people being portrayed incorrectly uh, in in those entertainment products. Well, we can only hope so. We hope hope they will, but that doesn't necessarily mean so. 
yeah. it'd be nice in just in the uh, news and or in secular film and TV shows that portray uh, faith in a positive way. I I watched Blue Bloods, I think, last night or the night before, and I just like the way they end. They're a Catholic family. They have a prayer. They end with a family meal on Sunday after Mass. I think that's a cool way to see, you know, these folks practice their faith. We're not Catholics, but that's how they practice their faith. And I see moral decisions and things handled in an upright way. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me, kind of reminds me of uh, uh, what was the Duck Commander show um, with the wild mm-hmm. and crazy Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty, yeah, yeah. kind of reminds me of uh, of those guys. You know how they would always have their prayer at the end, and the mm-hmm. one brother would say something that was kind of funny, but also kind of mm-hmm. had like a little bit of spiritual meaning yeah. that would mean something at the end. Yeah. And um, I, I I personally like stuff like that. I don't watch Blue Bloods a ton, but I know that uh, my in laws do, and they like it, uh, and they feel feel similar as well to where they're mm-hmm. like, well, we're not Catholic, but it is kind of nice seeing, you know, family uh, values, right. Uh, character-based and scriptural-based, moral-based decisions and active in community and in the world that we live in. Yeah, I agree. And it it helps portray that, you know, there, there are (laughs) Christians and people of faith and, and Catholics who, who Mm -hmm. have faith values and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, who maybe you don't realize it, but they are, you know, similar to, other people, even though they're not portrayed that way, right, uh, right? Stuff like that. So, very interesting. All right, Chris, let's get to our next one. Our next one is an article from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, it is titled Help My Loved One is Deconstructing. So, I know that you've talked about deconstructing your faith uh, in sermons a few times before. It's mm-hmm. been a little while since I think you've kind of dug deep into it. However, uh, today's culture. Uh, deconstruction is a big thing, not just for mm-hmm. non-believers, but people who at one point were believers. And sometimes, even like you talked about in your sermons, it can be a healthy thing for believers to do to help build right. their faith back up. Uh, right. And so this article is going into you know kind of the shock of like hearing somebody in your family or a loved one is saying, hey, I'm deconstructing my faith and kind of what our mind goes to because i think most people when they hear that that's kind of like a bingo word for like oh no somebody is now rejecting god right right um and the article kind of goes into reminding them uh of five things about the person to help them remember when they're deconstructing that you know we can remember these things and number one is that deconstructors are an image barrier bearer of god they are still somebody who you know, was made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deconstructors are sinners, just like you and me. They've sinned, they've done wrong, um, and we're no better than them. Number two, deconstructors are seekers. No matter, you know, what they're deconstructing or what their goal is, at the end of the day, they're seeking for something. Um, And the deconstructors are captives. They're captives like the rest of us as well, that if we are not in Christ, then we are not free and we can be captive to sin if we're not in Christ. Uh, and then also, deconstructors are rebels. They're kind of going against what they have known or what they have been taught all of their lives. Again, it doesn't mean that they are trying to get rid of God, but they're kind of rebelling against 
what they've been taught so that they can mm-hmm. learn, you know, hey, how can I address my biases? How can I address things that are going on? So, uh, Chris, I'll just open it up with a real broad question for you. Is deconstruction always a negative concept to you? I think you have to be careful with terms and deconstructions and a relatively new term and you'd have to define it as here here's what I'm hearing it defined as or how I perceive it being defined which would be that they were of faith and now they're rejecting evaluating and moving away from faith that's what that's how I hear that term and at the, at this time in 2024 we have the highest the largest group of nuns who have never known Jesus never been involved in church and the duns that are leaving the church that you would I would consider deconstructing also in 2024 and I'm going to use this in in my sermon this this coming Sunday one in five Christians in 2020, during the pandemic, left the church for good. One in five, 20%. So that I would consider that a deconstruction of time. And, and so when I hear you talk about different parts of deconstruction or different views and or different types of deconstruction, I think you have to be very discerning. I, I, I think it can be good in the sense of you're owning your own faith if you come to faith. I I had a a time when I was a freshman in high school where I was really wrestling with my faith versus my family's faith because I'd always gone to church because it was Sunday, because it was Wednesday, because it was Sunday night, because it was youth group, because it was a youth rally. And so I was programmed. And I think that's healthy. But deconstruction as a goal of leaving the faith and never coming back to it, I, I don't think is good at all. I think that that's a, you know, a falling away or that they were never saved. Yeah. I mean, it all, all kind of goes back to like, what is your goal of breaking right. down your faith? Is your goal to figure out what is true and to remove biases? I've done that before. I've done that where I've said, I'm going to do my best to try to completely forget everything I have ever learned about communion and just go to scripture. What does scripture say about communion? Right. You know, what, what are the stories that encompass communion and try to figure out, you know, what is the entire idea of communion? Because I would like to figure it out for myself and not just have a tradition be my belief that I really don't know all that right. much about of why it started. However, if, I were to completely reject communion and say, nope, I never want to take communion again. Uh, I'm going to deconstruct my entire faith base of communion so that way I never do it again. That's a different, that's a different concept, right? That's mm-hmm. a different mm-hmm. goal of what you're, you're going for. And, and I think many times it, deconstruction has that negative um, connotation of I'm, I'm moving away from faith. I'm not trying to build my faith back up, but I'm going to mm-hmm. deconstruct my faith and then move away from it. And I think a lot of times people have, because I've experienced this as well, have the 
idea of how do I react to this person? Do I react with evidence? Do I come at this person and, and give them, here's what the Bible says, here's what's happened in history, yada, yada, yada. Do, you know, do I give them this evidence or do I react with empathy and say, hey, I see where you're coming from. Just know I'm here for you. Uh, this is a safe place to talk. I'm not going to judge you or anything like that. Um, Chris, if you if you had a loved one, whether that be a family member or just somebody you were very close with who told you that they were deconstructing, do you think that you would react more on the evidence side or more on the empathy side? That's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know in with my friends and family that they would say they were just deconstruction deconstructing. I would say they're probably saying, I don't go to church anymore. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I have a friend that kind of rides a roller coaster up and down of uh, believing in God, not believing in God and, and questioning God. Uh, and I don't think I would call it deconstruction. I would call it doubt and uh, double mindedness. Um, but to me, when I, if I were talking to somebody that was truly using the term deconstruction, I would say, well, what happened? What went on in your life that led you to choose this route and behavior? What happened? And, and just listen and discern what was going on and say, I choose to disagree. Here's why I believe. Here why, here's why I think it's important. After I've listened and, and say, you know, where does this lead you to? What, 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 what is your end goal in this whole, whole process? And is it helpful and is it hopeful for you to go this route? I, I have a friend that I was talking to the other day or, a few weeks ago, and he's left a faith. He's chosen another faith. And I basically said, I love you, man. I don't agree with where you're heading. But when this doesn't work for you, when things go bad, I want you to know you're welcome back. And uh, it just, uh, to me, that that was a, a moment of grief because I thought, this is an empty path, an empty way. And I hope and pray that you'll you'll turn around and, and come back because I, there's no better way. Yeah. And that's hard because in those moments when you are saying, you know, come back to me when, when this doesn't work for you, not only are you relying, uh, you know, having faith that what they believe in doesn't work because we have faith in God, but you're also having faith in the fact that when this doesn't work for this person, they will, turn back to God instead of turning to drugs or, you know, alcohol or whatever, you know, other idol might be in their life, you know, could be something as simple as video games or something like that. You know, I mean, there's a myriad of things that people can turn to other than God, not just, not just drugs and alcohol, but, you know, you're, you're relying on God to lead them back to him. And sometimes they do, sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't, sometimes they continue to reject God. And, and that's sad. Um, but you know, it's kind of, <laughs> that's what scripture tells us happens is some people will turn and, and be with God and some people will choose their own way. And, um, right. all we can do is pray that they will choose to be with God. What were you going to say? We we just have to remember that God is pursuing this individual 
and the way that they're choosing is much harder and will not work. And so God, God never gives up on anyone, Mm -hmm. but they can choose to reject God and his grace and run from God and the Holy Spirit. I think it's a miserable way to go. And so I'm just banking on, hey, I'm trusting God that he's going to do his work. Yeah. And I'm here for you because I love you. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's hard. It's hard to do that. But at the end of the day, I learned when I was in high school, I had a friend that, that turned away from faith. And my youth minister told me, he said, you can't help people who don't want help. So at the end of the day, you got to let them mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. and just be there for them when they, when they come back. I had two friends that did that. One of them didn't come back. One of them did. And mm-hmm. I thank God every day for the one that did. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, good discussion there, Chris, let's move on to uh, a little bit more of the personal kind of fun side of stuff. Yep. What you eating, what you watching, what you reading. Is there anything new going on in your life you want to share with the people, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, with the Chris Gregg construction or a new meal that you guys have tried, or, yeah. you know, last week you found the wings at Pappy's. Is there any other food I'm group still that you on the found? wings at Pappy's is still the number one wings, but. I like, I don't eat them every day. I burn out on wings. Uh, I'm reading a book called Culture Rules, R-U-L-E-S. And if you know me very well, I'm big into strategic planning and leadership, just studying how, how you create culture, how do you grow culture, and how does culture impact, you know, the church and any organization that you're involved in, and how do you make it irresistible and something that is a part of everyone's life that we're spreading the culture of Christ and Christianity in such a way that is winsome and attractive and inspiring to others. So that's something I'm, I'm reading right now. Can't say that I've ate anything out of this world lately. Had some really good barbecue over in St. Louis last weekend when I was gone at a place called salt and smoke. And so any, I'm up for barbecue anywhere I'm at because I'm always interested in the different flavors of barbecue around the United States. Yeah. If we, uh, ever find ourselves on the east coast or down south you and i will have to go to mission barbecue that was my favorite place out in virginia and we were out there just excellent excellent meat and they had all different kinds of flavors of i mean pappy's has what four barbecues uh sauces here in town i think they had something like 18 or something like that and uh of course they they kept them all behind the desk because people would steal them i was told (laughs) 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 big place and they Yeah, Yeah. they left. Well, down down in Western Kentucky, they have barbecue pit barbecue, and they have little barbecue shacks all around. And so, I I loved going down that way, and you know, just driving from barbecue place to barbecue place. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Do you think the barbecue gets better the further south you get, or is it all the same? I think that there's something about the south and barbecue. They've been doing it long before it got popular up here. I feel that way with Cajun food. Yeah. The further down south you get. And once well, you get into closer, like New Orleans, Louisiana, it doesn't right. get better than that. Closer to the New Orleans and Louisiana you get, the better it gets. Yeah. Which I love. I love Cajun food. So. Yeah, I do too. 
Yeah, might have to go get some Popeyes after this, but yeah, Popeyes or oh, Jay Gumbos. I like Jay, oh, yeah. Jay Gumbos over to Hope. Yep, yeah, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Cajun. Uh, all right, Chris, our final thing. Uh, you have a Bible verse or anything that you've been reading, or maybe a devotional thought or something like that you want to share with the people before we get out of here? Uh, Rick, Rick Warren, I, I do his daily devotion, and the theme uh, this last week has been about surrendering to God and the cost of surrender. And if it doesn't cost you anything, is it a is it of value? And so that's been on my heart lately is, am I totally surrendered? And am I in the right spot doing the right thing as I follow God as a pastor, as a Christian, as a father, husband, and grandfather? And so am I surrendered? Yeah, that's, that's always a tough thought. I, uh, I'm one of those people that can be pretty critical of myself. So when I think to myself of like, have I really surrendered everything? It's like, well, no, you don't live in a $40 shack where, you know, you'd be mm-hmm. given 90% of your income to the church and you only have to right. live on 10%. <laughs> I right. look at it. I'm like, ah, I'm not doing enough. And it's like, well, right. you know, a shack probably wouldn't be the best place to raise two uh, small children. So nope. uh, not for my sanity either. So <laughs> but all right chris well thank you for that thought and thanks for your opinions on everything and uh sharing it today on fcc talk uh hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you next time thanks everybody for listening thank you bye-bye see you